All right. Let's crack into it. I'm very excited to talk about this next song. Very excited. Oh, my. Mm. Nice big Kev reference. <laughs> he wasn't very excited. No, he, he was just he excited. He was regular time excited. Big Kev was an amateur compared think, to... Mm. Compared in terms to of what he said, but in terms of how he said it, I think it suggests that he was very excited. If you can be excited mm. at all about, like, something that helps you get stickers off of things easier. He showed us that you can. Yeah. He taught us so much. Bring up the slideshow, please. <laughs> <laughs> of, of Big Kev. Big Kev. I'd like to dedicate this episode <laughs> to Big Kev. To Big, I'm excited, Kev. Kev. <laughs> what do you think it. his last name was? Kev. Kev. <laughs> gonna know you now but i'm gonna love you anyhow we are hottest 100s and thousands and we've taken control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we run we take cover and we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young and i am one of the four sexomatic venus freaks you are going to be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again andrew mcdonald david thank you oh you are so welcome Nathan Harrison. Hey. And Adam Buncher. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't yeah. know sexy ones. Oh, well, we're it. all... Yeah. You're just polite. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. she doesn't have a sexy voice either. It's all... Oh, oh, like that? Oh, <laughs> like, like Tom Waits. <laughs> she's basically Tom Waits. <laughs> I think she's more like Rod Stewart. Yeah, I can see like that. Female Rod Stewart. With, with the rasp, yeah. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Keep listening. Forward sell. <laughs> <Yeah. Radio. laughs> That's nice. a real forward sell, Love baby. it. Thanks, man. Don't change that. Podcast selection. Don't, yeah. don't, oh, well, I mean, actually, I've been mean, encouraging them to hit plus 15, if anything. Mm. Might turn into a plus 30. Did anyone else get that? <laughs> Modern I mean, life, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, plus 30 plus and 30 minus now. 15. We already yeah. joke about like a Black Mirror episode where you could plus 30 on your life. Yeah. We did? Probably. Yeah, I'm sure we did. Sounds like us. Either on or off mic. I remember the Black Mirror yeah. like, pilot. You do it all the time, mate. Like, you just, you just do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You just sit there doing it. You just, you just do it so quick. You you wouldn't stop doing it until you stopped very suddenly doing it. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's really sad. It's really sad. I'm imagining right, it like being on the wall, and you'd start. You'd be like, "I'm not gonna do it." Yeah, you'd be like. What, and then like, you come home and you'd be like really tired and you're like, oh, look, I just want I to get it. I'm, I'm just, or like you, I'm just going to heat it a few times and then go to bed. Or like you, you put the kettle on and be like, oh, I'm not no. going to wait for it to cook. Oh. I'll just press it a couple of times. Preheating the oven. Preheating the oven. That's, it's very good for preheating Sweet the oven. Shit. If you could bring it to work, it'd be very popular. Woof. Oh, I'm so sad. It's a hard wolf. <laughs> God damn it. In the meantime, smash cut! So scared. <laughs> With the witch remix of the order of death. This is what you want, this is what you get. This is what you want, this is what you get. This is what you want, this is what you get.
Okay, so that was Public Image LTD making their debut, actually, <laughs> in the Hottest 100 ever, but also in the Hottest 100 of 1999. That's a song called The Order of Death, which came out originally in the 1980s uh, on an album called This Is What You Want. This Is What You Get. Indeed. Uh, but in 1999, there was a little film that we all know and love called The Blair Witch Project. And for whatever reason, this song was selected to be a part of that soundtrack and remixed especially to be involved in the movie. It's not a soundtrack, it's songs inspired. One of the characters' mixtape. Yeah, like, yeah. He has right. a, it's, like, it's like Cloverfield. It's Josh's mix, kind of. Oh, oh, like in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah. they took like the idea of... <laughs> the modern day Blair Witch Project. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the found footage idea, did that extend to the soundtrack yeah, as well? I guess it yeah, did. yeah, it's like Cloverfield, wow. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Say what you will about the Blair Witch Project, but fuck that was an ambitious movie. Yeah, I'll say what I will. I haven't seen it. There's never a- heard of it. <laughs> Blair Witch, never heard of it. I haven't either. But are we paper, all going to go watch the Blair Witch Project we, together we, after no. this? There's no way it would hold up now. It's influenced culture too deeply. So you're saying it wouldn't be very scary now? Maybe I will watch yeah. it. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? It influenced culture in the sense that, you know, like found footage was then... It became a thing. But I don't think it ever properly kind of did it. Like, that's the, the tragedy of it. Like No I, one's made a good found footage movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blair Witch was the first one to do a found footage film. I haven't seen it, so I don't know how well it kind of did it. And everyone tried to do it. But I love the idea so much. Yeah. But I've because never seen it and gone like, yeah, The you thing is it. as well with the Blair Witch Project, it was in a, a more naive time. I remember specifically- Pre-9-11. Is the, yeah, in the pre-9-11 Halcyon days of our culture. I remember specifically, I didn't see it, but in primary school, people were talking about this movie and saying like, is it real, right? There was a narrative right. outside of the film and there was, it was- really well, That was early. the marketing. Like, yeah. They, yeah, could- they were pushing that these actors had disappeared and that it was a documentary. Yeah. That- and that was the whole thing right. about the Blair Witch Project, And right? as 10-year-old babies, who are we to be able yeah, to exactly decipher, right. yeah. like- well, they you actually know. had missing posters posted up, like, yeah. officially, you know, saying that, hey, these actors in this film are missing and whatever. Like, that's part of the ambition that I'm talking about. Yeah. To take it to that kind of extent. So I'm like, pretty sure they had, like, an online component as well, which would be very ahead of its time in the no- late 90s, to have, like, yeah. this multimedia campaign to sell what would have been an incredibly cheap film to make, like, by design, on, yeah. like, intentionally cheap to make, because it has to look cheap, because it's meant to be just some campers. That, yeah, some camcorder that they found from some now-missing people, yeah. like, out in the wilderness that they're releasing, just so... so yeah, fascinating, right? Man. So, again, like, say what you will about the Blair Witch Project in terms of it actually being a film, but, like, on paper, it's utterly fascinating and kind of applaudable that it happened. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Like, I know I'm David, but I didn't know you all had to be Margaret. I didn't know how this was going <laughs> to... <laughs> I never thought we'd get to talk about public image limited on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Ever. Yeah. 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 You, you the- you're a you're a fan? Yeah, definitely. Public Image Limited, I don't know them. That's the band that John Lydon, aka Johnny Rotten, formed after the Sex Pistols kind of dissolved. Um never heard of them. <laughs> their first few records are absolute stone cold classics of that weirdo kind of post punk that adopted influences of like dub and like and it's literally post punk in this instance yeah literally, quite literally yeah <laughs> the first two records first edition and metal box are absolute classics and then this was from a later period the, the original version of this is from the mid 1984 which is kind of be after when they were they were still making some reasonably good music and this is also from the record that has uh, this is not a love song on it which is kind of a crossover hit for the idea of like an 80s new wave post punk band at least this isn't super remixed it sounds very <laughs> close to the original, just with a bunch of like audio from the film put into it. Yeah. And like they turned down the 
mid-wave synth and up to the bass a touch. It's not really a remix. It's, it, but, but that makes sense for the idea of the context of the film, it just being like someone's mixtape. Well, it's the, the Spawn style. It's like, yeah. hey, it's me, the yeah. Blair Witch. Hey, it's me, the Blair Witch. <laughs> I feel like listening to yeah. some to public PIL. <laughs> yeah. PIL. Do you know, do you, actually, when you think about it, John Lydon is overrepresented from the persona of Johnny Rotten. Public Image Limited had a much more influential and interesting take on punk music. Let's listen to a few tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find there magic. <laughs> but also, this is lazy as shit. For yeah. a song. Oh, God. Oh, it's the bare minimum you could do. This was already used in a dystopic sci-fi horror film in the early 90s. What was really? It? Um, the name of the film... What, do you mean it's the songwriting is lazy or the song inclusion on the soundtrack is lazy or what? The remix is lazy. Oh, really? That's what I mean. They, it's, it's not even a remix. They no. just took the song and like... Had this- I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I don't particularly care for the original either. I'm here for the original. Yeah. The name of the movie was called Hardware. Right. It wasn't bespoke. Any, any big famous people in it that we'd know? know? I don't know. Ethan <laughs> Hawke. Um, <laughs> it was um, not a bespoke made song. Yeah. Um, you know, it actually came from the album This Is What You Want, yeah. This Is What You Get by Public Image. So it's already been used as a soundtrack song and they literally just took it and then they just took some grabs from the film mm. and put it over. And they're it's, way too loud in the mix. <laughs> it is miraculously lazy. It's a real kid singing bubble goose situation. <laughs> it's just... Hell yeah. I, I can't help but like respect how little effort was put in. Can you imagine how fucking weird it would be just to have the radio on and then this comes on? Well, I mean, it, it the, did. The, like, it did enough. Yeah. But just hearing A, the song itself is pretty weird for a fucking it's not a radio song it's not a radio song it's it's the last song on the album it's like an outro track that just has this like synth groove and then Mm. John having a loop of the album name playing a few times through it that's the song yeah and then to hear that on the radio with like I'm so fucking scared. Oh my god, it's the Blair Witch. <laughs> like yeah. when you when you're in the I car, just saw Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, when you're like driving the kids to school and then you uh, I'll put Triple J. Wait, on. you think this was played on the radio? radio. Triple J. It must Triple have been. J. Though it would have been reckon. Hundred percent. Right, it's here. Yeah, true. I yeah. don't know. It could have been one of those Alanis Morissette things mm. where it wasn't like played at all, but I mean, everyone was so wild. obsessed yeah. with the Blair Witch Project. I think there's enough of like you know. I'm not mad for Bl- the Blair song Witch itself, has enough but- cultural cachet. To- yeah. And we, I think we've seen, particularly when we talked about the all-time Hottest 100, like, the Triple J audience, even at this point, still are big for 80s post-punk or whatever. I mm. think there would be a lot of love for this song. So fucking weird, man. I, just, I, I can't imagine hearing this in the car, on the radio, and then, mm. like, the, the sound grabs from the film. Which, like, because there is a certain spookiness to the song. Like, it sounds like, like the stint riff oh, and just like It sounds exactly the- like a 90s dystopic yeah, sci-fi exactly, horror film yeah. that was first You know what actually for? reminded me a little bit of? West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys. The East End Boys and West End Girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got that synthy 80s riff. Yeah. If this got one person to go back and listen to Metal Box, then it was worth it being here. Because <laughs> early pill rule. Fair but enough. it's so fucking weird that it's here, man. Mm. It's so weird. You know what upsets me most about it? That it's so close to being Witch House, and it's, <laughs> and it's not Witch House. Is it, is it Proto Witch House? Proto so Witch House. It may be Proto Witch House. Witch House for, for people listening it's entirely is possible. Um, one of the best uh, subgenres of electronic music ever made. Well, if, it, actually, if it, you it, want an introduction to it, I have a Spotify playlist. I'll bet you uh, do. Or you one. can just listen into Adam's podcast, The Witching Hour, where he talks about Witch House. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that wonderful period of the. 
like between like 2010 to like 2015 where like every year there was a new niche micro genre like yep. C-Pass Witch House, oh, Beach the, House best, the best one Vaporwave well, the best one Eco Grime the Bubblegum Bass one that was a good time, man. Every year we got some new, insanely niche genre of music that only lasted for 18 months. Hello, and now man. we have no cash, no jobs, <laughs> and no hope. Man, Witch House is still going. It's alive in Russia. <laughs> just to take us back to a movie corner before we uh, uh, move on to the next song, I just looked up the movie Hardware. It stars Dylan McDermott, not to be confused with Dermot Mulroney. That's uh, confused with, thank it you. also features cameos from Iggy Pop and Lemmy. So there you go. Right. It's, yeah. It it says since its release, it has become a cult film, which means uh, only a bunch of people like it, but those people like it a whole lot. We we we'll love to write our own Wikipedia. (laughs) So uh, I did listen to a bunch of Witch House after this. Oh. um, (laughs) We had to prep for your podcast. Yeah. I listened to a bunch of PAL after this. It was good times. Yeah. I didn't do either of those things. I didn't do either of those things either. (laughs) I read the synopsis for. The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Nothing like being a coward, but being interested in horror as an art form and reading yeah. Wikipedia articles for horror films yeah. and being like, ooh, that did sound like a scary yeah. bit. I'm glad I didn't watch that at the cinema. I did that I did that for the fucking Human Centipede movies. Yeah, I'm just like, watching. Yeah, exactly. You read the novelization. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm being Human Centipede. She tried to scream out her mouth muffled by ass. <laughs> she screamed centipededly. <laughs> Maybe, you could, maybe that's how you could start your um, your writing no, career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> write a novelization of your book. <laughs> it's a good idea to write a novelization of your book. Write like a hacky version of The Great Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write a hacky version of The Great Gatsby called The Even Greater Gatsby. <laughs> Gatsby yet again. Well, Gatsby, you've gotten even greater <laughs> since last time. It's because I'm so rich and that's part of America. <laughs> <laughs> my vague recollections of analysis of the great Gatsby let's go look at that green light yeah. <laughs> yo it else is green Jesus. money <laughs> <laughs> I love money said Gatsby aloud <laughs> greatly <laughs> to, to himself in said the bar. Gatsby greatly <laughs> come on and number 94 it's turnstile this is spray water on the stereo Coming in at number 94 in the 1999 Hottest 100, that's spray water on the stereo. Before we get into it, just a clarification, this is Turnstile with a Y. Uh, The band Turnstile with an I is the modern day punk hardcore band uh, that released a wonderful album last year called Time and Space, which I strongly recommend, but 
This turnstile with a Y split EP when? Oh, dude. Well, they just got back together, so yeah, legit, right. we could make that happen. I, I want to. I want to see this turnstile. <laughs> legit, we could make that happen. <laughs> I, I want to put them in contact. Hi, my name is David James Young. I'm writing from a podcast called Hottest Hundreds and Thousands. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> we also wrote this really great book called The Even Greater Gatsby. <laughs> I was at your last show in Sydney. You know that flying 12-year-old that somehow had tattoos? That was me holding him up. <laughs> Did you have temporary tats? Adam Levine was there. <laughs> Turnstile are great, though. Turnstile with an I are great. They're and, great. And uh, from what I've heard from Turnstile with a Y, they're great, too. Nathan, this what do is, you think? This is pretty fun. I really dig this. Right. So this is uh, a Perth band. This is off their debut album called Turnstile Country. Before this, they'd released a couple of EPs and done pretty well. They supported Jebediah and The Living End on a national tour in 98. So that like, makes sense. Big two. Right? Like, yeah. they're from Perth or whatever. But you're like, okay, cool. I think that gives a bit of a sense of where they are. Musically. In Mu- Australia. Yeah. So, you know, their debut album comes in... I'd imagine with a fair bit of hype behind it. So much hype. Uh, Triple J presenters named it their favourite album of that year. Yeah, uh, that was uh, American Rosso when they were on Triple J. They were like... The big two. They they won a bunch of whammies, which are the Western Australian Music Awards. I saw Rosso at Laneway a couple of weeks ago. It really is another country, isn't it? (laughs) Right? Turnstile country. Yeah, it's turnstile uh, country. It's turnstile this country. is turnstile country. <laughs> in turnstile country, we call our awards whammies. If <laughs> okay. we, we have any listeners in the the Great West, and you want to tell us what the fuck's happening over there, <laughs> you know where to do it. Give us a five star review on iTunes, and let us know what the fuck's going on over there. Leave it now so we can read it in three yeah. hours' time. Yeah. There's something in the water. <laughs> family over there. Yeah. Haven't we talked about this? You were born in Perth? Yeah, I was born in Perth. There yeah. you go. So what is a whammy? It's a Western, Western Australian, Australian music industry. industry. Oh, I just don't understand. There's another language. <laughs> um, this is just like, it's really fun. The little synth things going around everywhere and like the big sing-along chorus. Yeah, just the chorus of saying... Threaten your neighbours with a hose. It's, it's good, right? If, if you grew up in a major city, you mightn't have this, but growing up in suburbia, you piss about with the hose with the people who are over and And you that. do that, like, like, shitty little, oh, I'm going to wet you with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, and when you're you water in the garden. Because, you, you know, know. You don't want to wait police. Up. Yeah, yeah. Come. Like, yeah, there's, um, <laughs> there's water restrictions on. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Ruin their stereo too. Well, yeah, it's very funny to be like, I'm going to spray your stereo with this. And also, like, you know, I, I like what they're playing with with the whole destruction of music kind of idea coming in with that as well. The anti music, which is very much brought about by that, you know, the Casio, yeah, flatulent as hell. Oh, sounding the keyboard, keyboard player in this band is having the time of their lives. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. He's going as hard as he possibly can. Hell I think, yeah. I think, you know, the chorus would be such a big sing along thing at these gigs, but then the. Would also be a moment for everyone to kind of do it. Yeah. yeah, and that's it's nice. This is like okay. Yeah, this is just fun, cool, like indie rock, like in a, yeah. Austra- like Australiana. Yeah. yeah, you know how we always like discover every now and then just like a couple of underdog Australian bands, and it's just like man, that fucking rips. Like hearing like Cinnamon Lip by Pollyanna, mm-hmm. or hearing uh, Drugs by I think it was Ammonia. Yep, yep. and right. this uh, adds to the canon. I wholeheartedly in support of this one. Fuck, it makes me smile. Their last album, their 2018 one, featured Bob Nastinovich from Pavement. Huh. Oh, getting true. On board, which, which would, you know, considering oh, yeah. the, the elements that this band is playing Checks with. Out. <laughs> yeah, it does check yeah. out. It's really lovely. It was something very wholesome was uh, on the, the YouTube clip for this song. It only has 828 views. Not a great number, but very sweet. Um, the video for itself is a static image that um, 
is the album art that it's from and then on in, in the that's in the top corner of the video and the rest of it is black with white text describing who the band are what what instruments they're performing who performs the vocals and then a block of text explaining that the riff was inspired by this and this was inspired by that very wholesome that oh. and there's only two comments one of them is someone saying hey are you Adam, the guitarist. And then this guy says, um, I'm J.E. I do most of Turnstile and Adam's online stuff. I wrote the text for the above videos and Adam helped me put them together. I also wrote his Wikipedia article and sometimes I walk his dogs. That's fucking sweet as shit, man. That is wholesome. I want to just zoom in on Adam. A-D-E-M. Yeah. That's a weird one, man. What's going on, Pat? What's going on, Western Australia, man. (laughs) A-D-E-M. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, and Turnstile with a Y. Like, everything's backwards. (laughs) E, a dem. It's, it's, a, it's upsetting to me because <laughs> mm. I'm obviously team A. Mm. So the A team. <laughs> that was a gimme, and I missed it. <laughs> I'm really mad. This at is some um, to to say though that like there was a lot of hype building up to this and like a lot of love for it. This is the only time we talk about Turnstile. I think apart from kind of the comeback that they had last year, I don't know whether a whole heap was going on. I don't know. Dogs to look after and. Three hours behind. Well, his mate's walking them. It's all right. <laughs> okay, he's not even looking after them. Great little track, really. You think, as we get further through these countdowns, that we always say, you know, oh, these these kind of tracks are going to be popping up less and less. But, you know. But here, here it is here in it this is. one. If you extrapolate one to every song, then more than ever. Yeah. You know, we live one song at a time. Yeah. In this podcast. <laughs> but we are seeing them less and less. And this is, I don't think this will be the last one. Like underdog Australian songs, God, yeah. like, and like a few countdowns ago, it would be in like the sixties or something. Yeah. Like it'd be much higher up, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, Australian music. Mm. Fuck, support Australian music. Mm. All of it. Support six Australian musics, four yeah. songs each. Yes. Out of finger. Hey, for this next song, there is some discussion about suicide and also about mental illness. If that's not something that you really feel like you can listen to right now, feel free to just skip ahead. We'll catch you in the next song. Number 93. This is Elliot Smith with Waltz number two. XO. Number 93 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's Waltz number two, XO from the album XO. 
Adam, mm. you have chosen to talk about this song. Yeah. I'm assuming you have a good relationship with Elliot Smith's music. Are you, are you new to it? Are you more like recent? Like, did you kind of come to it after he died or like... The reputation of Elliot Smith obviously precedes him. Yeah, um, yeah. I think in this age of, you know, like where you can access so much information at any given time, I think a metric of how well-loved a band kind of is, is what that information kind of is and how the, the level of detail that it goes into and how minute the things that you can kind of uncover it, uh, are. And in the case of Elliot Smith, there's no end to that. People obviously love this guy and have loved him for such a long time that you you know they delve into his lyrics and his songs and things that he said in interviews and it's just all so freely available and put out there to be shared inside this community of Elliot Smith fans and and kind of like poured over in that kind of way and and loved and i think part of that is to do with Elliot Smith's story. He, much like Jeff Buckley, was lost to us far, far too young at the age of 34 mm. from two stab wounds to the chest that I think has been pretty well established with self-inflicted, even though there are a it's couple been, of it's, things. It, it's officially been ruled suicide. Has but it? It's, yeah, okay. but, but it is... He was fighting with his partner at the time. Yeah. They themselves were also not mentally healthy like Elliot was. He, he shared a lot of his suffering quite openly and quite honestly and you know this kind of involved you know major depressive episodes ADHD you know a very well documented history with substance abuse and people have kind of gone back over like things that he said in his songs and and speculated as to where that could have come from based on you know his childhood and various other things like that so there's a lot of kind of talk like there but what you end up with is basically like this archetype of not only a brilliantly talented singer-songwriter, but also that kind of tragic figure. And again, like I draw a comparison to, to Jeff Buckley because I think they're the two kind of really big examples of that. But it has kind of been cemented as kind of like a, an archetypal kind of thing. The Jeff Buckley comparison is an interesting one because I, in my head, I forgot that Elliot was still alive at this point. I, I, yeah. In my head, I figured he died... In the early nineties, like not in like two thousand three, yeah, yeah, Because um, yeah. I, as I a, discovered him the year after when they put out uh, the posthumous album uh, from a basement on a hill, hill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was the feature album on Triple J, and I was just like, oh, this is a cool new artist. What's the go here? Oh, uh, uh, oh, that's so that's, uh, that's yeah. a, and, and that's a wonderful CD as well, yeah, unfinished. But um, as a child, I remember my parents had the um the XO and the Figure Eight records, yeah, so. I've, always known him and those are the two albums of his that I still go to now if everyone listen to Elliot Smith he just such a beautiful sad soft intimate warm songwriter yep, like absolutely and this song I've always loved this song even before I could comprehend what it was about I just love the waltzing nature of it all mm. um, I think it's one of probably his best written songs I think that there's so many layers here to unpack and it's so beautiful Oops. it's about a number of things obviously but it's a it's definitely about um, his mother and the relationship she had with um, his stepfather yeah. who was a abusive alcoholic man by all mm. accounts and at the start there, like she says, she picks karaoke in the song. She picks is um, Kathy's Clown, Everly Brothers tune, which has which this is not mentioned in the song, but that song has the line at "Don't want your love anymore," which is yeah. a song. So she's saying that to the abusive partner, and then he then responds in turn with the Linda Ronstadt tune, um, "You're no good." The refrain of that song is just constantly "You're no good, you're no, no good, good, you're no good." good. Yeah, like, which he then quotes quotes in, in the song in the song. Yeah, itself. which is. God, that is good songwriting. That is so on another goddamn level. So I read a really interesting thing that people, as I said, because there's so much information about Elliot Smith and his process out there. And apparently the way he would work was he'd 
start by explicitly stating what he wanted the song to be about and he would write it as explicitly as he possibly could and then the process from there was to go back and disguise it. Perfect. And you can see how this would be the product you arrive at Mm. if that was the way that you worked with things, you know. It's just such magnificent songwriting. See, I I don't have a really strong relationship with Elliot Smith, but I've inherited a kind of secondhand reverence based on people who I've been around who have been... Most of them singer-songwriters themselves who have been deeply influenced by Elliot Smith's work and deeply moved by it. And just being in contact with those people who I love has given me, as I said, like a passive love and reverence for the, the work of Elliot Smith. And I uh, mm. I kind of keep trying to go back yeah. and listen to... But there's something about it that seems like elusive almost. Like there's a delicacy in his songwriting, even in the way that it sounds to me, that it's like I can't look at it straight ahead. It mm. always shifts to the peripheries. I, I had that for a very, very similar relationship for a long time and not anymore because now I do quite love... Uh, Nick Drake but for a long time Nick Drake was very similar to me and again same thing sad tortured soft folk artist who yeah. died too young but for, for a long time I couldn't I didn't really understand Nick Drake records and then one day it just kind of clicked so I implore you Adam and also listeners if you're not only a Smith fan the record this is from EXO and also Figure 8 just, just because they're the two that I happen to be familiar with but they're both beautiful sad wonderful records and just like this as well right like and mm. you, what you do when somebody dies too young what is now presumably a suicide you unpack the work and you're like oh it has to have led up to it it's like I, I, we're all guilty of it I'm guilty of it some of my favourite authors and musicians have died too young and of suicide and you look back and you're like oh they were always there weren't they and that isn't the case at all all the time like Robert Smith's still alive and happy and he's written songs about wanting to kill himself and like he's a happy dude mm. like so it isn't always the case but you can't help but read into even though it's in the context of the mother having a bad relationship with her partner but when it says like the I'm here today and I expect it to stay on and on and on. I'm tired. I'm tired. As a bridge. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, man. I want to give this dude a hug so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that rawness and that vulnerability and that honesty, while still being in such a mold of craft, I think oh. is what people keep coming back to in terms of Elliot Smith being valuable. Uh, Steve Huey from All Music describes his delivery as spiderweb thin. I love that so much. Mm. That's like the yeah. perfect way to describe his voice. And to me, like his writing always kind of reminds me of a piece of like wood that still hasn't been treated yet. It's it's so raw and earthy, but it's still crafted. Mm. What I what I love about this song and also Smith in general, but particularly in this song, is that whilst it is there's a rawness and the spiderweb thin quality of his voice is very accurate and a great descriptor. Yeah. But what I love is that it isn't just him and a guitar singing a song. He has a band that works with him. Yeah. Like the waltzing nature Those of the band here. Those are his best songs. Like, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and this kind of was only coming about at this time as well because uh, he just signed to a major label. So he was just starting yeah, to get big. Right. And he's got some really interesting things that really go against the grain about what a lot of the narrative of a lot of other... 90s bands were putting out at this time yeah, because totally. he was like oh yeah, I've signed to a major label and honestly I don't feel like my work has been compromised at all there are just a bunch of other people who really care about me doing well now you just don't hear that yeah. in the <laughs> 90s that's just not what the cultural narrative is so it's it's refreshing to have him kind of say that and he it's was a- someone who cared very deeply about his work there's mm. a an anecdote of him performing on Dutch TV mm. um, and it was this very song and he just stopped halfway through and he's like I just wasn't feeling that and I'm not going to do this song if I can't do it justice. So we'll just move on. Wow. It's incredible. So did you, after finding the 2004 record, David, go back and rediscover the more similar records? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got the record Figure 8 
Yeah, it fell pretty heavily for that record. Like, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know him enough. Like, I feel like I I should have spent a lot more time with his music over the years. But like, everything that I've heard has really kind of spoken to me. And yeah, like I get a lot out of what he's doing from a, from a musical standpoint. And obviously, yeah, like as you guys were talking about, there's a lot of you know like vulnerability and tortured soul elements in in what he does. And yeah, it's it's pretty full on, um, but uh, yeah. When I when I do listen to Elliot Smith, it's always like, why don't I listen to Elliot Smith more? You know? <laughs> and like, man, this is such a beautiful song. It, it it's got one of those melodies, like that chorus melody. Is like it feels like I've known it forever, mm. even before I heard it. Like I I swear I knew this song. It's so instantly familiar and it's so warm and so instantly recognizable. Just, yeah, a really fascinating, really beautiful songwriter that created these really simple, really, really beautiful songs that uh, obviously stood the test of time. I think another one of the main things is like going back and hearing this stuff and it's just like, oh, so this is what all the artists I like were listening to. Fully. It's a cool thing to kind of see the influence that he had and, and still has over people to this very day. This is honestly the the most closely I've listened to an Elliot Smith song. I didn't get into Elliot Smith in like high school or anything like that. And because of the kind of reputation you talked about, it's monolithic in the same way that Jeff Buckley is. Yeah. And when it gets that monolithic, if you've missed it- Yeah. It's hard to be like, I'm going to get into this. Also because- the music and the story is so tragic, so it's it's hard to be like, I'm going to, like, get real sad for a yeah, while. Yeah. I'm going to choose to, like, and, indulge and, and, in some sad music. And it's going to be tricky. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going I'm to do my darndest to get bummed out. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's because that's so different to, like, if I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to put some sad music that I know on because that's what that, that, I that's need. That's comforting. You know? yeah. 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 So, I don't know. But this, like, listening to this, this is an incredibly beautiful track. Mm. And- I guess I think I will make more of an effort to. But it is that, yeah, definitely that thing. Whenever there's such a big legacy and it's an emotional legacy, it's it's different to, you know, it's like, oh, why have I never listened to, like, just this massive artist before? But when it's, there's, you know, such pain and, and stuff in there that, that people connect to, yeah, it's hard to yeah. be like, all right, time to, like, mm. throw on the big singles until I get comfortable, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> just hammering that plus 30. <laughs> <laughs> This episode, all over the place. This is a messy barbecue so far. <laughs> this is not like real messy. We're threatening the neighbors with a hose. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's only like twenty past twelve at this point. Yeah, but so we've already right. listened to PIL and Elliot Smith. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. in the middle of the day, some crazy shits going down. And number ninety-two. This is Macy Gray, Sex-O-Matic Venus Freak. Super love is something. They say it's very rare In the dark and in your world It's everywhere And I feel like an X-X-rated movie star It's the way you love me down It's the way you love me down Every time we kiss you Bring out the woman in me And every time you holler Macy Gray. 
coming in at number 92 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That is the track Sex Matic Venus Freak. It comes from her album Macy Gray on How Life Is. Nathan. Of course she had other songs. Yeah, I forgot she <laughs> I forgot she had a career. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this checks out. It's bad of me for not Yeah. I wonder if all artists that have had one hit have also had other songs. <laughs> Maybe some of yeah. them. Makes you think. This is just a jam, mm. right? This Fun. is just like a super sexy, funky, funky jam. Listening to I Try, I would never have thought that Macy Gray <clears throat> fucks. Yeah. yeah. Macy Gray fucks. This, I get much more of a sense of her as an artist here. It's like, oh, right, I get, I get what you're doing. I, uh, it's early days, but let's keep a tally. This is definitely the horniest song so far. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We'll oh, see. Is it hornier talk. than, than, than Elliot Smith? <laughs> okay, well, Elliot Smith can have saddest, and we'll keep a tally of these things. Oh, good. Saddest and horniest. Just the big two. Yeah. We'll take a leaf it's called out the big of, two for a reason. We'll take a leaf out of the Share Zones book, and we'll find the songs that have the highest depression level, horny level, and genius level. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. What's like the that. most genius uh, level so far? So far. Uh, public image. <laughs> <laughs> no it? doubt. No doubt. All right. This is just like great 90s funk there's just a lot of pieces and they're all working like the bass is super fun Mm -hmm. it's just great any kind of pop song that is very female sex positive is great i think many years ago we talked about shoop what a great time that was you know pop songs that are objectifying men from a female sexual perspective is good not even that. It's just, it's just sex positive. Yeah, like yeah, that's it's, right. it's like I become a sexomatic Venus freak when I'm with you. When you kiss him, you feel like a woman. She just loves this fucking yeah. dude, man or woman. I'm not sure who the I've yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, not to like belabor a point, because the song just is a jam without any cultural context. Having a strong, powerful black woman being vocal in it, asserting her agency as a sexual agent. Is fucking cool. That's it, right? Yeah. And, you know, the more you look at Macy Gray as a person, she was just all about that. She has a statue of herself naked in her house. Oh, hell yeah. That's pretty boring. She does. Fountain. (laughs) Sprays water out the top of her head. You're going to lean into it, man. Mm. Yeah. Hey, man. Not me. I mean, say what you will, but. Do you think she shouldn't have agency? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, just a jam, funky as hell, cool, like. Funk rock pop number, like, I, like it's, and you're right. I get way more of a sense of her of what she does as an artist with this way more than I do with I yeah. try. Yeah. yeah, I can sort of place this song in a lineage of music way mm. better. I'm like, oh, this is great. And also, just I love the fact that it's called Sexomatic Venus Freak. Like it's just that total funk over the top, yeah, kind of thing. Like drawing back to the to the 70s and whatever. That straight yeah. up in your face. Let's go. Kind of thing, yeah. The, the way too many descriptors that like times like like palm and funkadelic did similar stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. It's that particular big kind of aesthetic, time. and I don't know what it is, but it's like over the top cool. There's honestly a um sense of Afrofuturism in it, saying sexomatic Venus freak. That's a science fictiony yeah, kind yeah, of sounding yeah, yeah. term yeah. for black positivity. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, you know what? This is a cool as shit song. Yeah, I, right. I thought I came in, I'm like, yeah, I like it. And I'm like, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like it, and, and, like, it's right to like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, don't worry. I'm very woke. I like Mesa Gray's Sexomatic Venus Freak. <laughs> Put in your Tinder yeah. I, I talked about it with, with three other white dudes on a podcast I co-host. We all thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> 
This is what I imagine like a mum who just heard Faith No More's cover of Easy feels after picking up like the real thing or like King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime or some shit. Well, this was not what I was expecting. Or like a mum picking up like Nimrod after hearing Tommy Alive. <laughs> like Are you Trojan horsed by I try. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Big time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because she loves a bit of a groove, a bit of soul, a bit of funk, a bit of, bit of horniness. You know, everyone knows her for choking and stumbling and trying to hide it, but... She ain't hiding here. That's, that's, I ain't hiding shit. She seems so self-conscious in that track as yeah. well. Like, that's why this was such a surprise for me also. Like, the persona yeah. is yeah, totally Yeah, it's, it's like when the shy art nerd girl at high school ends up being like... Takes the glasses off. Yeah, the, <laughs> the village bicycle baby. She was beautiful. Oh, oh. oh my God, yeah. Uh, on Bicycle, so her stage name is Macy Gray. Her real name is Natalie Renee McIntyre. <laughs> Natalie Bicycle. <laughs> when she was six years old, she fell off her bike and found herself lying underneath the mailbox of someone with the name Macy Gray. Huh. And then for years, like, wrote stories about Macy Gray. And it was just kind of the thing as a kid that, you know, like, oh, this is my character kind of thing. And then adopted it as her stage name later on. The original elderly man, Mr. Macy Gray, tried to sue her. No, <laughs> you are kidding. At this, like, when she became what a worldwide, he was like, oh, I want a piece of this pie. I'm Macy Gray. That's so fucking And funny. failed to get any money out. Shocker. It's very good. Well, he look, tried you know, to sue her ass and we he We all failed. understand that. Like, I live in fear of the original Nathan Harrison suing me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because that's we all have stage names. Yeah, I forgot right. about that. That's so funny, man. God damn it, Mr. Gray. <laughs> yeah. He tried. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned Macy Gray writing stories as well, and that goes to what she was originally planning. She was in college studying screenwriting when she fell into singing. She originally thought, no, I, I, like, I don't really have that much of a, a voice. It's not something that anyone really wants to listen to. And I have to say, like, as a kid... Macy Gray was one of my first examples of coming up against a non, you know, pop, traditionally yeah. beautiful voice. It was unusual. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's, there's a real value I, in that. I remember it being grating as a kid. Yeah. I remember, but, uh, I remember being Because of your baby ear palettes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah. who knows, like, whether that introduction to, you know, like, non-traditionally beautiful voices had any kind of effect later on in terms mm. of, you know what I mean? But it's important. But it's, like, exactly. And now, like, I feel like... We are awash with voices that, you know, earlier on would not nearly be considered radio worthy and whatever that happens mm-hmm. to mean, you know, like it's it's just so not a thing anymore. So she was writing songs for other people and then someone failed to show uh, to record a demo one day. So she stepped in and then from there, it just kind of all snowballed. She got in contact with a producer while she was working at a, at a cash desk somewhere. Mm. Um, and then she started gigging in jazz clubs and then it all kind of took off from there, but it, it wasn't something that she ever intended to do. And it's one of those kind of like, I think one of those things when you don't, sorry, use the phrase, try too hard. <laughs> sometimes you can end up having more success. That's really just, cool. You just yeah. hold it lightly. And, you know, like you hear stories like that all the time. People saying like, yeah, I loved doing it, but I never aspired to do mm. it. But, like, it, but it doesn't sound like she did love doing it. She's just <laughs> no, like, she, she's like, oh, okay, oh, I'll sing it, I guess. It, and like, like, it's so funny. She, like, she doesn't love her job. Like, but I think it's one of those yeah. things like... It's all right. Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, ah. nobody loves to work. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't complain. I shouldn't complain. I'd, I'd, I'd love Why to be a screenwriter you? one day. But like, I truly in the meantime, I guess I'll... Yeah, I'll <laughs> handing out a screenplay all the time. Could you read this maybe? I'd love to make a lateral shift. <laughs> I truly think sometimes, unfortunately, one of the things that can kill your success is, is by being too passionate. 
Mm. Like you get in, you get in your own way really yeah, severely. Sure. I think, and I think when you just find yourself doing an activity that you enjoy, and that's it. You don't think about it any further than that. You don't have any aspirations for it. That's when you can really, really find success with it. Yeah, mm. nobody you know? wants someone being too thirsty. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like you, you just, you just, it becomes too much for you, and you get clogged up. Mm. Oof, I was thinking about that the wrong way, baby. <laughs> Number 91, it is Pennywise with their rendition of Men at Works, Dan Under. Traveling in a fight from Cumbray On a heavy trail at the Love Zombie Met a strange lady, she made me nervous Took me in and gave me breakfast Pennywise coming in at number 91 in the 1999 Hottest 100. That's Down Under, obviously, originally by uh, famed Australian band Men at Work. Uh... Do we have to do a, a Men at Work primer for those listening? No, why not? Who are Men at Work? Um, well, they were a very famous Australian band in the 80s. Very different um, from Men at Home, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like a right-wing pun of thing. You can just call them men. We're always at work. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, fronted by Scottish-born vocalist Colin Hay. They had several big new wave hits uh, in the 80s. This was their biggest one. Uh, the other big hits were Who Can It Be Now? Be Good John. <laughs> there you go. Nailed Which, it. That basically, that basically just sounded like fucking um, Goldfinger. <laughs> well, that's who it is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, who can be yeah. now? It's, yeah, it's Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Be Good Johnny and Overkill were the other two big hits. Uh, Overkill uh, had a revival in interest after Colin Hay performed it in the hit television series Scrubs. It was weird. It was a little bit weird. It was weird and contextless. But yes. I liked it. <laughs> All right. I like that version. I don't think I, it was yeah. bad. It was just weird. Mm. And had it's, no it's my favorite Men at Work song, so yeah. I can get to and sleep. I can get to sleep. Think get about to the sleep. situations. Yeah, it's a great tune. Too deep. Too deep. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Pennywise, on the other hand, uh, noted melodic punk slash skate punk band from the 90s, inexplicably covered down under. And uh, th- this is a human centipede thing, man. This is turtles all the way down. I've seen this cover get covered more than I've seen the original get covered. Really? Oh, man. Like bands in high school and oh, like, right. yeah, like pubs yeah, and all this version. sort of shit. Always seeing a cover of a cover live is one of the weirdest fucking things you'll ever see. Too deep. Goes down too deep, baby. Yeah, this is harmless. It's like... <laughs> like, they basically wrote a Pennywise song and just added the lyrics over the top of it. There was no, like, through line. There's no connection to the original song. Like, you know, there's no flute. There's no... Like, they don't even have the same, like, chord progression or anything like that. Everything... Kind of changes. It's a bit cheap. It's a bit tacky. But like, if you're into that sort of thing, then it's it's super fun. So yeah, I, you, um, you can't really fault them for it. Pennywise are always just on the periphery of my '90s punk adoration. That kind of '90s punk scene was certainly where my tastes lay. But I never mm. really got into Pennywise. Like, I, I, I remember liking the Full Circle record. Mm. That's a good album. Um, but I didn't. I hadn't heard this cover before. 
I guess that's because it's, it's an alright song. But if I had heard it as a teenager, maybe like if I happen to luck out or luck, I don't know, depending on how you lucky, lucky you view in. it. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> the opposite of lucky out is lucky in. Yeah. It, it could definitely have been a LimeWire find or like a oh totally a Napster or SoulSeek find of just finding the cover of like Men at Work punk cover. Like, yeah. yeah. No FX plus bad religion. Yeah, no FX plus bad religion. WMA.XE. Like, obviously, not being Australian themselves makes it feel like maybe they just put it on an Australian EP and it'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. That's nice or whatever. Well, it was but, um, included yeah. in their their album Straight Ahead as a bonus track. And it was included because they had such a strong following, following in Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was the Australian New Zealand release. That's of the right. And, and that's, that's right. totally cool. And I get why you would do that. Like, it makes sense from a band's point of view it's like how if bands are big in Japan they chuck a few Japanese bonus tracks on it just feels like the musical equivalent of receiving a really thoughtful gift that you just don't want yeah (laughs) like the dog dragging in the dead bird (laughs) I mean kind of not that bad but you know like you mention in passing to your auntie that you kind of like something and then they get you like a shirt with it on it yeah oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like if you're like Anne Rice which I don't haven't read any Anne Rice and right. then you're well-meaning I'll get you knock off Twilight books <laughs> not Twilight books knock off yeah. Twilight yeah, books yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she remembers thanks. that one conversation she remembered that you, that you said like yeah I don't mind interview the vampire it's pretty which you were just making conversation fun. for yeah him. yeah she's yeah. like oh it's cheesy and fun the movie was alright like Brad Pitt was like at his peak then right yeah that's ha, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. and then she's like I remember they really like vampires and these things seem cool and this one is called like I love Eternal, and it's not <laughs> Twilight, but it's clearly a knockoff of Twilight. Anyway, Andrew, is this your novel? No, man, I'm writing The Greater Gatsby. Um, <laughs> this um, <laughs> nailed into it now. What this last compared to the original is the idea of the communal sing along. That the original, when you hear it in Australia, it's whatever. But when you hear it and you're overseas and you're like seven beers in, there's one other expat from St. Leonard's, and then you sing along to it because it's kind of like it doesn't feel like a very good. Pennywise song. No, yeah. Pennywise have better songs. And, and it's, it's yeah, not... It's it just, doesn't it's have much super of super unimaginative, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a very good cover. I wonder if they didn't know the song very well and they were like, oh, we should do a bonus track because we have a lot of Australian fans. Oh, yeah, you can just imagine That's... Fletcher's just like looking at the lyrics on a, on a piece of paper. That sounds kind of right now. Right? <laughs> like, and they're like, oh, we should she, just do she this. Made what's me a, nervous. What's a big Australian like, oh, Down Under. Everyone yeah. everyone in Australia loves Down Under. Let's yeah. cover that. Should we listen to it more than twice? It's, it's too <laughs> obvious to do an Akadaka track. Yeah. 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 So they got to do this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's know, just, man. It's just a bit of a swing and a miss. I it's not terrible. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't have voted for it, though. No. <laughs> like... If you're a Pennywise fan who has seen them play live in Australia and are pretty psyched on the fact that this international band likes your country so much, maybe that's yeah. enough. Well, I mean, it's got in. Yeah, you know? because we are Australia, the world suburb. Like, we're not like an international <laughs> yeah. destination. Maybe if you'd seen them live and it was an encore, you'd be like, oh, yeah, cool, I remember that. But I'd want the song itself to be a bit better. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, punk covers aren't that hard. Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> So, apparently, according to the internet, the first phrase, travelling in a fried-out combi, it kind of resembles someone saying, a horse eating at a market in Portuguese. Can anyone confirm that who's listening who knows Portuguese? Because that makes me curious. Hmm. Is the internet full of it? Are we big in Portugal? Do we need to release a bonus Have we accidentally said something that in Portuguese kind of sounds like we're being offensive? (laughs) I'd also like to know well, that. We've said a lot of things that just were straight offensive. up offensive. So let's, let's do, let's do a cover of our favourite Portuguese spoken word track. Nathan, you start. 
Uh, I'm going to have to pick Portugal the Man. <laughs> ah, true. <laughs> I will cover that song. I mean, you are a rebel just for kicks. So. Yeah. Man, it's so weird. Those guys are like mainstream famous now. I know. When I saw the McGroove and the Moo up on the up on the back screen of the like they were playing their set, and because they don't really do like much banter, it'd come up and be like, "Hey, don't worry, it's still coming. We're still gonna play it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> That's great. That's and then, really and then ellipses. Y'all got any weed or? <laughs> um, also, when they were in the country, they were really good, and they're like, "Sunrise, you seem racist. We're not going to go on you." Yeah, yeah. Like, All right, Portugal the Man, pretty good. Good call. But the best thing about Portugal the Man is when I saw them live at the big. Day- Why are we talking about Portugal anyway? Um, I saw them play at the big day out, and they did a cover. Speaking of excellent covers, of, um, of Pennywise's Down Under, <laughs> Day Man, Fighter of the Night, ah, nice Champion of the Sun, yeah. When I saw them, they opened with an instrumental of From Who the Bell Tolls. Dun, dun, so I guess what you're really saying is Portugal the Man. Pretty great band. Check them out. Pretty good. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us once again. Before we get out of here, you know what the deal is. We are going to be going through our favourites and our least favourite songs. And... Continuing that ever-continuing story where we can't get to sleep. And, deep, deep. and we talk about... People on the street. Nominates our carryover champs and our carryover chumps to see if they changed from last week. So my favourite song this week, uh, Turnstile, but my champ remains Plastic by Spiderbait. As for my least favourite song this week, I'm going to go with The Order of Death by Pill, and I'm also going to make that my new chump. Mm. Adam. Yes. Look, my favourite from this episode is Elliot Smith. Um, yes. That's a really good one. But I think I'm going to retain Spider Bait. That's my favourite. Uh, it's my champ. Um, my least favourite track is the also uh, The Order of Death, because, you know, don't tease me by not being a proper witch house song. Don't do that. <laughs> Be a proper witch house song. <laughs> Special shout out to Portugal the man. True. <laughs> we love you, Portugal love the man. Portugal Hell man. yeah. Very good. Uh, my chump remains Sugar Ray. Uh, my favourite of the week um, is also Elliot Smith with Waltz Number 2 XO. Uh, it is my new champ as well. Very good. Um, my least favourite, it's tricky, man. I'm going to have to give it to Pennywise's Down Under. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, didn't hate it at all, but just was more. I just unperturbed by it. But my chump easily remains Sugar Ray. Yep, uh, Elliot Smith for my favourite, uh, but I'll keep Plastic, and I think Pennywise is my least favourite, but keeping Every Morning is my chomp. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, folks. Alright, 10 songs down, 90 to go until we are done with the 1990s entirely. Basically there. We're basically there. And then 90s nostalgia is illegal. (laughs) So Outlawed. Yeah, so enjoy it for the next 18 apps. Yes. Running uh, tally, uh, horniest song remains Sexomatic Venus Freak. Sexomatic Venus Freak. Uh, Most depression song is XO Wars number two. Yeah. Genius level song yet to be determined. (laughs) Tune in next week, see if we find it then. Fucking genius. Good forward sell. Thank you. Good one. <laughs> taught him everything he knows. He's writing a book. <laughs> I, I hear it's going to be greater <laughs> than, than, your average than, than your average than your average book. Gatsby. <laughs> oh my god! On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald, good night, Mr. Nathan Harrison, bye, Mr. Adam Buncher, too deep. My name is Portugal, the man. Everything is good for you. 
everything is too deep for you. Too deep! asking all Aussies to try my brand new laundry products. You know, we've been using overseas brands, but I reckon if you put mine to the test, I know they're the best. We'll give it a go. You beauty. Yeah.